The year is 1957. Good old Ike is in the White House. The Frisbee is launched and quickly becomes a sensation on college campuses around the United States. American Bandstand debuts on ABC, Elvis Presley buys Graceland, and our rivals in the Soviet Union are the first to space with the launch of Sputnik. In October, the world would also be introduced to one of the most influential books of the century, Atlas Shrugged, by novelist Ayn Rand. American society and politics would never be the same. The two most surprising things about Ayn Rand's death of heart failure in 1982 is, one, she had a heart, and two, that we're still fucking talking about her. In the event you're not familiar with Ayn Rand, and bless your heart if you're not, she was a mid-20th century novelist most famous for writing The Fountainhead and Atlas Shrugged. The protagonists of her novels were fiercely independent and self-righteous assholes whose perseverance and ingenuity rose above the feckless bureaucrats and demonstrated the strength of American character. In her prime, this tiny little chain-smoking gnome had her 15 minutes of fame and then some by inspiring a generation of young people yearning to break the establishment bonds. A bunch of mediocre white dudes would punch above their weight for decades, with tattered copies of Atlas Shrugged sticking out of their back pockets, decrying the establishment, and following Rand as a cult-like head of a movement that she termed objectivism. Instead of being relegated to the dustbin of history, Ayn Rand and her merry band of loser sycophants refused to shut the fuck up. So why should we give a shit? Why dedicate an entire episode to this arrogant little shit? Well, let's find out as we unfuck objectivism. Oh, my friends, we are fucked. Deliciously, unreservedly, catastrophically fucked. And not the good kind. We'll traverse this audio journey together to upend conventional wisdom, blow up narratives on the left, right, and middle, and use magical devices like facts, logic, and reason to explain how exactly we arrived in Bizarro America, the funhouse mirror version of what was originally intended. My morality is based on man's life as a standard of value. And since man's mind is his basic means of survival, I hold that if man wants to live on earth and to live as a human being, he has to hold reason as an absolute, by which I mean that he has to hold reason as his only guide to action and that he must live by the independent judgment of his own mind, that his highest moral purpose is the achievement of his own Happiness. Who is John Galt? The short answer to this question should be, who cares? Unfortunately, this is the question that won't fucking die, and neither will the philosophy that ultimately answers this insipid query. John Galt is the hero of Ayn Rand's novel Atlas Shrugged, the last of her novels that gives the world the gift of objectivist theory. The answer to this question, and the whole of Rand's philosophy, is revealed through an interminable speech given by Galt that, for some reason, still inspires some today. For years you've asked, who is John Galt? You've asked that question in despair and resignation as factories closed, goods became scarce, jobs disappeared. Your lives are becoming more difficult as the life force of your world is draining away. You have asked that question without expecting an answer. I'm here to answer it. I'm here to answer it. Tragically, the words that follow in this speech would inspire generations of Americans to worship objectivism 
and emulate the life and beliefs of made-up people. Evidence of Rand's developing doctrine can be found earlier in Howard Rourke, the protagonist of her 1943 novel, The Fountainhead. He had not liked the things taught to him in college. He'd been taught a great deal about social responsibility, about a life of service and self-sacrifice. Everyone had said it was beautiful and inspiring, only he had not felt inspired. He had felt nothing at all. Sounds like a peach. If Rourke had been subjected to modern psychiatric analysis, he might be considered somewhat of a fucking sociopath. You dick! To be honest, the thought of discussing objectivism bores me. But the dogma has unfortunately outlived the dog, and objectivism continues to encourage enthusiasts who aspire to find their own inner Rourke or Galt. Rand's obvious resentment for humanity should have consigned her works to the virtual bargain bin on Amazon.com. Most of the reviewers of her day shared this dim view of her work, and for a while, sales of the fountainhead languished. By then, Rand, who was a Russian expat, had already established herself as a vocal opponent of FDR. Her ideas were formed during the Depression, where she grew to loathe the president and what she deemed to be his socialist anti-capitalist policies. It's sort of like how modern-day Cuban-Americans despise all things socialist because of their history with Castro, which led many of them to vote for Trump in the recent election. Over time, the book would find its audience, and so would Rand. Over the next several decades, Rand's cult-like popularity would grow, and by the time she wrote Atlas Shrugged in 1957, she was a prominent national figure. Despite her popularity, reviewers once again savaged Rand, but with more vitriol this time than even she anticipated. Nevertheless, sales were strong, and Atlas Shrugged would be one of the best-selling books of 1957. In fact, it would become one of the best-selling American books of all time. Anne Heller's biography of Rand points out that at the turn of the century, readers in a modern library poll placed all four of Ayn Rand's books in the top 100 novels of the 20th century, with, quote, The Fountainhead and Atlas Shrugged occupying the number one and two spots, respectively. Throughout her most prolific years, objectivism was still more of a cultural phenomenon than a political one. But the 1970s, notes Heller, found Ayn Rand's ideas gliding quietly, almost anonymously, into the conservative mainstream. This was especially true among a new group of young, right-wing libertarians who were disgusted with the economic policies of the Republican Party and determined to found a party of their own. But Rand would reject most of the political outcroppings of her ideology and grow increasingly protective and paranoid through the remainder of her life. Despite her aversion to the masses, Ayn Rand thrived in the spotlight. Therefore, she would likely be pleased, but somewhat bemused by her renewed influence over some of the leading politicians in America today. I say bemused because of the inherent irony in the scenario where politicians are engaged in a meaningless dialogue about a theory conceived by a woman who viewed most politicians with absolute contempt. Objectivism as a political ideology is impossibly rigid, and absolute in a field that exists on the premise of compromise. But its popularity speaks to what Americans believe to be their mirror self-image, self-sufficient, uncompromising, and stoic. Yet Rand followers seem incapable of separating the woman and her philosophies from the fictional characters she created. These characters were dropped into a world that fought against their scripted determination, a world where detractors ultimately succumbed to and broke against the protagonist's awesome powers of individualism. 
But to appreciate her novels requires the suspension of disbelief about the actual world we live in and the realization that Rand herself wasn't as much of an individualist as she was an elitist. Objectivism is the Scientology of political theory. Fantasy based on fiction, the promulgation of which relies on the public's inability to understand the destructive potential of unregulated markets and unfettered capitalism. Who is John Galt? I say, fuck John Galt. We need to start asking the question, who are we? America is stuck in the largest identity crisis we've faced since the Civil War. The unmitigated assault on the middle class and the working poor in this nation at some point must come to an end. Despite what objectivism preaches, a properly functioning society requires a level playing field. And a level playing field requires a properly regulated and functioning system. It does not imply the redistribution of wealth. Rather, it attempts to establish the equitable access to it. The most notable modern politicians who admit to Rand as their North Star, people like former House Speaker Paul Ryan, former Fed Chair Alan Greenspan, resident Senate douchebag Ted Cruz, and father-son libertarian stalwarts Ron and Rand Paul, all bow down to the wee Russian shit-given. Alan Greenspan even laid a six-foot-high floral wreath in the form of a dollar sign at her fucking funeral because it's the Randism logo. Even Air Trump tried to profess his love of Rand in a fumbling explanation of her work, despite the well-known fact that he doesn't fucking read. Who are your favorite authors? Well, I have a number of favorite authors. I think Tom Wolfe is excellent. Did you, read did you read Vanity of the Bonfires? I did not. It's a, it's a phenomenal book. What uh, book are you reading now? Yeah. Well, I'm reading, Bonfire of the Vanities. I'm reading my me. own book again because yeah. I think it's so fantastic, Tom. Who, what's, the best, <laughs> what's the best book you've what? read beside Art of the Deal? Um, I, I really like Tom Wolfe's last book, and uh, I, think, I think he's a great author. He's, uh, he's done a beautiful job. He's, Which book? He's, uh, the, his current book. He's, he's just his current book. It's just out. Bonfire of the Vanities. Yes. I'd like to share a few excerpts from one of my favorite books, Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand. Now, let me encourage any of you who have not read Atlas Shrugged to go tomorrow, buy Atlas Shrugged, and read it. I think Ayn Rand did the best job of anybody to build a moral case for capitalism. And that morality of capitalism is under assault. Is under assault. Greenspan is a disciple. She is the great champion of government as a destructive force that just gets in the way. Gets in the way. Libertarians like the Paul family are a little easier for me to understand because their philosophy runs parallel to Rand's individualistic beliefs. But that's also the problem with both of them. The best description of libertarianism I ever heard was from Chris Hedges, who called it sort of a pre-industrial philosophy. Works great in theory when there's three million people in a huge territory like the U.S. and incentives to forge westward and legally murder indigenous people in the spirit of frontierism. But it's a little less practical when there are 350 million of us burning through resources and destroying the planet. 350 million people with their own idea of what's right and lawful within a complicated and interdependent economic and social system, and most of them armed to the teeth, would amount to a year-round purge-like society. It's more the modern right-wing politicians that I have a problem with, mostly because they never grapple with the other side of Ayn Rand, the devout atheist. She saw all religions as silly, indulgent, and dangerous. So it's even more curious how the right-wing Christian fundamentalist wing of the Republican Party prays at the altar of Rand. In the end, 
Rand would distance herself from nearly everyone she'd cared for, and indeed those who had cared for her. Hers was an impossible personal standard, and the men in her life would prove a constant source of disappointment, each one failing to live up to it. Even her beloved husband, Frank O'Connor, once an inspiration for Rand's most adored characters, would eventually break down both physically and emotionally under the weight of such expectations. The only men who would never fail her lived only on the pages of her novels. Ironically, she would finish her time on Earth as a recipient of Social Security, a program she regarded as the epitome of the collectivist society that she denounced. But Rand was no hypocrite. She had dutifully paid into it and therefore reluctantly took back what was rightfully hers. No, Ayn Rand was simply wrong and would die very much alone having alienated virtually everyone around her who failed to live up to her unreachable demands, a lesson lost on the legions of followers who continue to devour her words to this day. So to answer the original question as to why I would dedicate an entire show to Ayn fucking Rand, the fact is, even those who haven't heard of Ayn Rand or read any of her novels, but who support the idea of rugged individualism, all government is evil, healthcare for all is socialism, they're all influenced by the concepts of this tiny little Russian fame-seeking ashtray who took government support and wrote shitty novels in the 50s. She promoted a lack of faith in institutions to do good, the distrust of social programs or even society in general, that we need each other to thrive. Now more than ever during the time of COVID, we should all realize the value of social constructs and unity. And yet we're falling apart because half of this fucking country has fallen for the myth of objectivism, whether they know to call it that or not. The concept carries powerful imagery of individual pursuit, but that shit only works in individual sports. A man stands alone at a place. This is the time for what? For individual achievement. There he stands alone. But in the field, what? Part of a team. Running a nation is a team sport. It's not okay to run off and steal someone's land, buttfuck their goats and piss on their boots. But Ayn Rand would say that's perfectly logical if that's what's in your heart. We live in a society and it can be great if we can just get over ourselves and realize that our actions have an impact on others around us. Can government go too far? Of course, I'm not a fucking moron. We should all be mindful of our individual liberties, which are too often taken for granted. Or if you're an ethnic minority or marginalized citizen, perhaps never even given to you at all. The point is, there's a balance. But if you're unhappy with the way things are, the answers you seek aren't in the pages of Atlas Shrugged. They're in the Bill of Rights, and maybe on Bernie Sanders' website. Here endeth the lesson.